Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Rendell, coming from the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island. Let's Chat is a long-form conversational chat where we invite guests on from the world of punk rock, podcasting, and pop culture. Uh, today's guest, we have Pat Edwards. Pat's the fucking man. We got along a little too well, where we almost kind of completely forgot to talk about the thing he's here for to promote. We'll have to... We'll have him back on. Uh, I can just talk about the '90s Bulls with this dude forever. Um, but just all the same reference points. Just uh, what a what a good dude. So Pat and I actually got connected from a past guest and friend of the show, Ash Blodgett. Blash Ash is uh, one of the podcast hosts with uh, Patrick for the fantastic podcast Let's Rewatch. Ash is also a fantastic filmmaker. She runs Lash Laugh Stash TV. Uh, filmmaker. I mean running some of the best DIY uh, YouTube videos out there and teaching and just fucking awesome person. We're going to get her back on. She's been on a couple times uh, back in the past. Well, anyway, so uh, Patrick is out there right now fucking pounding pavement, doing press for the Red Opera. The Red Opera is a 5e campaign based on Diomodos' metal album. Uh, their album is also self-titled. Um, so this is for any of you Dungeons & Dragons fans out there. They currently have a Kickstarter that is live. We'll put all that that stuff in our show notes. Please, if you can, donate. If you can't, please, just at the very least, share. Um, Pat's a good guy, and I'm all about trying to support the good people making good art. You know, that's, that's what we're here for. Um, and it's funny because we just got along a little too well where we almost forgot to talk about the reason he's here. I could have gone in a rabbit hole just talking about a number of anything from like aliens to the, the 90s bulls to just like, I don't know, scrubs community. Like every, we just liked all the same stuff. So thank you to Ash for connecting us. We had so much fun. We're definitely going to do this again. Actually, since doing this episode, uh, which we talk about, I actually did go back and listen to the Let's Rewatch episode with Hector Navarro where um, Ash, what, was, I guess, a naysayer of the Marvel films for very long, goes back and watches them all, and it's actually put me to do my own Marvel quest, so my wife and I are starting to watch all the Marvel movies again. Uh, so anyone out there just wants to tweet on me, uh, at Let's Chat Revel on the Twitter, or at Let's Chat Podcast and all the things about Marvel movies, please, let's do it. Um, they're they're really good. Um, I, I fucking love them. Uh, Pat's a busy... That's a busy dude. Besides the Red Opera, which is Kickstarter is live. I think I hope I mentioned that. Uh, you, you could hear him on the Let's Rewatch podcast, which I just mentioned. He's got a book out called Space Tripping, and he does weekly. He just does every uh, Tuesday at 2 p.m. EST. You can catch him on Geekly Inc. doing the Happy Hell Hour, which is virtual D&D. Holy shit. I learned so much about uh, D&D and... Um, all this new virtual stuff is I'm trying to get really into it. We're, we're in the process of setting up a Twitch and doing some cool shit because it's really fun. Ever since I see a live event, I didn't realize how much fun I had watching a movie with other people online or playing video games. And it's been really great. I've been playing so much Tony Hawk and it's been, it's been pretty wonderful. Um, yeah. So big thanks to Pat for coming on. Uh, we got some announcements here on the show and uh, make sure if you haven't already, you can join our Facebook group. It's the Let's Chat community. We're super active on there. Our Facebook page, no matter how much time or energy we're putting into it, we're getting nothing in return because of the algorithms, and we weren't paying Facebook for ads, so fuck them. Uh, but, you know, we're also on Twitter. Uh, thank you to Bree for setting us up with that Patreon. What, what? A huge shout-out to the Vern from Cinema Recall for donating, for being our first Patreon. Uh, it means the world to us. Uh, make sure you check out that wonderful podcast. We've been expanding our YouTube live. You can check that out. Uh, our own Barry Bree has a brand new podcast. You all, you all, 
you can find that on our YouTube channel. It's called Talking Shit with Bree and Ness. They're on Twitter, Bree and Nessa Pod. Uh, it's really good. I really liked it. They did the first uh, pilot episode up on the our YouTube, and um, they have fantastic chemistry. They're real life best friends. They don't hold anything back. I got to hop on for a little bit, and it was like they're talking about like Marvel movies, not being afraid of death, and then like perfume or something. They were just so fucking funny. I really liked it. I can't wait to see this grow to what it will become. And uh, make sure you check out our other great stuff on our YouTube channel that we've been building out. We've got uh, some good Let's Chat stuff we do with Chuck and Brad from the Chuck and Brad podcast. We did one with uh, Bree and Chris Ball and I did a one together. We also did one with Isaac from Cracked. That was really cool. I will put these on our Patreon exclusive feed soon, coming soon. Uh, but in the meantime, um, check us out, letschatpodcast.net. I'm on Twitter, Let's Chat Revel. Uh, we are at Let's Chat Podcast and all the things, except Patreon, that's Let's Chat Pod. You know, just look us up on mine. Anyway, let's get to it. Last Dance is the most... I'm a fucking documentary fanatic. I grew up with the 90s Bulls. My wife hates sports, hates Bulls, doesn't know anything about the Bulls, like not from that world, just enamored by that documentary. It was... Yeah, same with my wife. She is not a sports fan. Um, I grew up in Chicago, and I'm 35, so if you do the math, I was you know in grade school and junior high while they, this was all happening. So it's like, for me, the, the nostalgia of The Last Dance... Because was oh. uh, I'm pretty sure I was in the last dance in the crowd actually in one of the games. Oh. So there's one. No. It was uh, in the second threepeat of the Bulls when after he came back, I believe it was the first championship of the second threepeat. He they won game one with a buzzer beater at the United Center from Michael. I was at that game. My uh, a family friend, a neighbor, and it was his friends with. It was my friend's dad had tickets, and he took me and his son, who was my friend and our other friend, to that game. And it was game one against the Jazz, and jo- so I was at a finals <gasps> game where Jordan won. Dude. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> obviously, it's like obviously I lost my mind, loved it. Part of me is like, I wish I could have done it a little. I would have been a little older to appreciate it a little at its peak, you know? Because I was like, I was like seventh grade or something like that or like but still you know i i, I Dude, that, that was one of the peak of my basketball <sighs> fandom too because there was this like there was this vhs tape i used to watch like every other morning before school called nba rising stars and uh it was all about it was just like highlights about um like when Shaq was first coming in the league and larry johnson mugsy bogues alonzo morning uh chris weber and um <clears throat> who else was in there on that I wore that tape out. I just keep thinking Space Jam. Yeah. We, <laughs> we just did Space yeah. Jam for last rewatch. It hasn't released yet. We just, we, uh, Oh man. Yeah. It, oh my God. It, it's, it's just so sad that I didn't put together that you were part of Let's Rewatch because of the little mustache thing on the thing. Yeah. Cause, um, I've known about Let's, cause I know, well, I don't know, podcast, I internet friended, um, Ash and, um, Brett from like, they're like some of the earliest people I met through like the internet community, like the pod 
Potter yeah. world because I think I don't know when I remember when Let's Rewatch started. So I've totally listened to your voice for like hundreds of <laughs> hours and just put together like a minute ago. It's like wait because I was listening to the Aliens episode today yeah. and and then I don't know I don't know how I didn't put that to the two. It's too yeah, funny because well, um oh I love all yeah this. and that's how I, I started as a guest. I'm not an original. I'm not an OG host of Let's Rewatch. Um, okay, there good. Was, I got so yeah, confused because yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some gap up here. And I was so like, what's minute. funny that you mentioned that though is that's how I got linked up with Ash and Brett and them as like internet friends of like just kind of like somehow we found each other and we're being supportive of each other's stuff. On actually, I think I found them through Ash when she was doing the Let's Drink show. Oh, the laughs on YouTube. Yeah, the YouTube I, I, show I, Let's Drink. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, this is awesome, and like I write about drunk aliens and there's some synergy and then we became we're just like twitter buddies and then when the first book my first novel came out uh i was out in la and it reached out to them and i was like oh man i would love to do let's drink like well we're on hiatus but we do this podcast let's rewatch we do movies and we're gonna do alien which kind of syncs up I'm like hell yeah let's do alien and we really hit it off and then i was a guest a few more times just for fun because we all really uh vibed well with each other and then um, there was a host who left for, for fine, you know, nothing bad, just personal stuff, professional stuff, just didn't work out. And then they was like, his father got killed no. in a car accident <laughs> unexpectedly, and then they just retired to play baseball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but same that little story. Yeah. But uh, and then they asked me if I wanted to do, it. and that was um, man, that was the end. It was late twenty eighteen. I want to say that I became That's a, so a permanent crazy. host. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's been. I think cause I remember. I love one of my favorite episodes they did. I don't. It might have been before you. Uh, the, um, with Hector Navarro about Goof Troop. They did a Goof Troop one that like nope. mm-hmm. made me actually really love Goof Troop like more than Hector. I realized Hector is so phenomenal. I was not part of the show at that, but we did. I don't know if you're if you're doing like a backlog or if you're current with us. Um, this summer we did a uh, we did kind of a. a different format than the usual format because ash who was a longtime naysayer of the marvel films of the mcu and i would always come at her like you just haven't watched them really like you've seen them sit down and watch them i guarantee you'll you'll think that you know you'll realize they're amazing it was almost like the whole the scorsese comments that kind of started it so she during like quarantine she like said i'm gonna embark on marvel quest i'm gonna watch all of them like in order and like live, you know, live tweet them. And then by the end, she was texting us in our group chat and it was like, damn it, Pat, you got me. These are great. I want to talk about these. Can we do a special episode where we just kind of do a retrospective on the whole MCU? I'm like, hell yeah. And then we, Hector came back and joined us for that one. And that's out now. It came out in the summer of 2020. And, um, I could, yeah. oh, God, I fucking love those mm-hmm. movies. Like, I, I don't, I don't by any means consider myself like a cinephile. Like, yeah. I, I, I know, like, that I'm a popcorn movie fan, but, like, man, like, Endgame was probably one of the most amazing theater-going experiences I've yes. had in my entire Not life. even one of the, for me. It was, I've it seen might two, be. and it's really funny. Your your uh, interview intuition is, like, firing at all cylinders, Chris, right now, because you talked about, um, you mentioned Space Jam. We ju- we recently did a Let's Rewatch recording. Literally last night, the night before we're recording this interview, I was on another show where on uh, Geek Leap Media, where we uh, did a dive into Thor Ragnarok, which is my personal favorite MCU movie. That's the one I go back to the mm-hmm. most. Yeah, T- T- Taika Waititi is like... Um, He's my favorite director. Uh, uh, we're trying to get, get him on here. Um, oh. There's... Uh, I mean, I don't know if we yeah. can, but my, we 
I've befriended someone, another uh, a documentary. I don't, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary um, A Fat Wreck. Very good, but we I had met the director of that when he was making it, and now he's got um, Sean Cologne, really good dude. But he we just became buddies, so he's like, well, he's gonna he's gonna come back and do some co-hosting. But he's he's like, dude, I want to get some Marvel people on there, and I was like, all right, well, give me your your Blue Sky version of who you want to have on. It might take us five years, but like I'm I'm fucking terrific. When I want a guest, like I'll wait five years, and I'm like, we'll do it. Pika is like so he's our goal. my dream of like if I wrote a script to be filmed, he of course. I'm not, of course, other than my dear, dear, sweet friend, Ash, who is an incredibly talented director and also directed a short film I wrote this summer or in quarantine that's in post-production. But setting aside my dear, sweet friend, Ash, who's an amazing, talented director and should get uh, do all the feature films, Taika Waititi would be uh, the a dream director for me to write to... Because I almost got upset I liked Thor Ragnarok so much because basically Marvel already made the movie I would make if I was given the reins to a Marvel... <laughs> I think a lot of people thought, well, we should we should blow up Ash a little bit more because I met her, I think, in my early days of podcasting. I started this in 2013. Yeah. I forgot when we would have come across each other. But at that time, when I, we first met, that was like one of the first times I interviewed someone I didn't know who or anyone. It was like one of those first times. And remember, I, I have it very vividly. So um, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a case manager for a, a, at a psychiatric mm-hmm. hospital. And I remember having this like terrible day at work where I had to bring a client to like uh, bring him to the emergency room because they made an attempt. Oh, I was no. like, it was a really dark day, and then I, but I was, it would have been like I was going to cancel, but I was like, no, I never met this person, and I remember watching the short film she had sent me as a prep, and like really, really gravitating to it. So I was like, all right, fuck it, I got. It was like one of those moments. I was like, oh, all right, and then you know became friendly with uh, friends with like Ash, and then get to, and then she came back out with Brett, and then, and then the, like, it was that time of YouTube. I was like watching her stuff. I'm like, you made this, and she's like, yeah. I was like. I have a Blackberry I can't figure out. How the she, fuck did you make this? I, she is, it's one of those things, it's not just because she's my friend, it is a matter of time before she is doing, I am putting, I'll put it on wax right now, she will be doing like studio feature films. Like She is so talented. When we did the shoot, it was, a, we did it, we did this special, the short film, totally shot via video call with everyone like shooting himself on camera in their home and stuff. And it's from the perspective of a video call. You have eight actors and her, and you think it can go pretty smoothly, but of course stuff goes wrong and there's tech issues and you're not there physically. Right. So you're trying to work through it over the call and stuff and text and there. And I'm like freaking out like, uh, everything's falling apart. And she's just cool as a cucumber and like pivoting and like, all right, well, we're just going to do this shot. Then we'll come back to that's good. And then we did it all over a weekend and we got done like two hours early ahead of schedule, which never happens. And I was like, I am dead inside. I don't know how you just did that. Oh, one of my things recently, uh, I'm going to blow up her a little more because, um, when all the, the, the pandemic hit, um, like how the tonight show and all that shit just turned to like mm-hmm. YouTube but like it, it was the moment you, I, I noticed the old guard who's still in control has no idea what to do like I remember I'm, I was watching Comic-Con at home furious like <laughs> angry because it was just a fucking bunch of zoom calls and I went on Twitter I don't I'm not a tweet storm person yeah. but it, I was really upset and I was like and I literally remember calling out like YouTubers and specifically Last FTV have been making higher quality videos with less budget and technology for less like five plus mm-hmm. years and multi-billion dollar corporations couldn't give John H. John Benjamin like a camera. Like it's like this weird trend with like the celebrities to be like, or like all the, like, like Jimmy Fallon looked like fucking garbage. Yeah. I'm like, they sound like shit. Hire a they sound like the sound quality is terrible. And it's just, yeah. 
the video this video call that we're doing on our shitty our, our like yeah. our laptops and wherever where it looks nicer than like it, it's like this weird trend and it made me so mad it's like celebrities always always be in like the shittiest room in their house and have poor wi-fi and be like we're just like you i'm like just spend a hundred bucks get a camera <laughs> and it makes me so mad but like the quality laugh stash has been putting out yeah. is better than tonight and i bet before all this happened i could never have been like Ash, Ash, and uh, oh, Last Ash TV is making higher quality stuff than NBC Universal, and there's now six months of data to show yeah. that they have made higher quality stuff than NBC Universal with the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. Oh, enough about my show. <laughs> I, I still get mad about that. But they were the first YouTube people I've ever met, or like, and I'm, I'm actually now redoing a YouTube dive. Uh, like, kind of relearning, getting more into YouTube. Uh, like, it's. Um, I've just become like a super obsessed like video essays about like really obscure thing and like what YouTube does so well is like and well at least I at least it's not sending me to Alex Jones videos anymore but now I'm at least getting videos I want to see <laughs> it's like well you want to watch this thing about Tony Hawk then you'll probably like this song about Goldfinger or whatever um, man you you are you're such a an, an enigma to me because on paper you're like a writer. Oh, you know, we're here to talk about the Kickstarter for the Red Opera, your D&D thing, uh, D&D thing, your Kickstarter, uh, you know, the Let's Rewatch podcast, all this stuff. And then, like, your physical appearance doesn't match what <laughs> one would expect. Um, is this something that comes up often? Because yeah. you're, you're more physically in tone to a Joe Rogan, but probably less. But, um, um, yes. <laughs> you're too handsome for your oh. world. That's what is what I'm saying. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, I... Um, Do you get this a uh, lot? A little, yeah, a little. I appreciate it. Um, I am a fitness fanatic, and I played. It, it's really weird. I was a decent athlete growing up. Um, was very much uh, steeped in the the bro jock culture as a child, growing up through uh, like high school and college. And I have some dear sweet friends, you know, that are awesome people. And but I always felt a little bit like an outsider and just something in the, in. Um, and I, I used to also be really heavy to at one point, and so I have just it, it is an obsession. I'm, I'm, I'm I every it's like I have to do it. It's almost more for mental health than physical health at this point because I get uh, my wife's also very supportive of that too because she knows I'm a different person if I didn't get to do a little workout <laughs> that day. So yeah, I'm actually turning into someone like you. <laughs> so I'm I'm here. I, I work in behavioral health. Yeah. I, we, I preach the mind-body connection, but I've always been more of the mind mm-hmm. work and then noticing when I actually do exercise yeah. and like, hey, I'm less anxious if I if I take that 30-minute walk and then yeah. that 30, you know. No, I'm I'm a big uh ball of compa- like super nerdy, compassionate, empathy goofball that is in a uh linebacker shell. Is <laughs> yeah. You're, so you're Vin, you're Vin Diesel because he's like jacked as well, but also loves D and D. And we both have shaved heads, so yeah. And you yeah. shaved heads, so <laughs> so oh Bree, our producer Bree, who couldn't be here tonight, is going to be so jealous because we were they were actually I was missing a text thread with my the the Let's Chat yeah. crew about Vin Diesel before this happened, and they were all so pissed that I never saw the Fast and Furious movies. I still need to go. I've seen the first two. I've seen the first two. I saw them like when they first kind of came out, and I was like, yeah, these are fun. And then I never saw any of the others. And then I hear, especially like the ones with the the rock, like it was like five, six, seven, eight. I hear there are tons of fun. I just have never gotten around to watching them. Yeah, because I saw the first one. We're about the same age. 
Like, I remember seeing the first one and having to get picked up from Nick Weatherall's mom in her <laughs> minivan and us trying to get her to hit the gas really hard. And that's the last time I saw one. Yeah. And then, like, 20 years went by. It was like, for me, it was like Pokemon. Like, I was into it. I saw it. And then, like, 20 years mm-hmm. went by. And all of a sudden, it never how, left. How fun, how cool did you feel those first that first summer when you were old enough your parents felt comfortable dropping you in a movie theater with like 25 bucks and it's mm-hmm. like get, get, you know oh you play the God. video games in the in the lobby a little, the arcade games for a little bit go see a movie oh if you had time if you yeah. had time like if it, they were, they had a lot of stuff to do and it was going to be a long time you try and sneak in maybe a, a mm. double make it a double feature second yeah. one <laughs> uh, did you do the thing where you'd walk by the showgirls and see if you could sneak <laughs> it because they had the blackout window and then only to grow as an adult that would be a good let's rewatch because that movie does not it does not it's just not good <laughs> it's um which actually i don't know, do you listen to the podcast blank check with griffin and david it's like a film podcast it's one of my favorites I don't yeah should i oh it's it's probably one of the bigger movie podcasts. Okay. Like it's like Time Magazine called it like one of the top podcasts. Um, Griffin plays the Arthur on the Tick. And he's a oh, huge, that um, yeah, the 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 Amazon Prime, the the yeah, Gone no, the Too Soon. One. I really enjoyed that, by the way. And I was sad it was good. I yeah. loved it. I, I he he's a super nice guy. He he was nice enough to he was a guest on this show, mm-hmm. and like I got to geek out with him pretty hard because that character really resonated with yeah. me. I loved what they did with it, but um. And they did an episode about showgirls, and it was really interesting. Like, it made me really have a lot of empathy for Elizabeth Berkley mm-hmm. of, like, because she was, like, a really good actor, and it was just, like, the direct, they they kind of sold her on something else. And from, I could be remembering it, but, like, it sounded like from her experience through interviews and stuff, like, they just took all, they the director would make her, you know, it was Rehoboth, mm-hmm. so it was, like, a... Uh, a director but then like the, between the editors like they just took all of her really bad takes and made it this oh, it's such a weird they basically through editing dead or dirty yeah i don't and it, it didn't sound like she had ill will like it wasn't like an intentional like yeah. they were trying to fuck her over it just sounded like and i'm a big fan of a big swing and a miss yeah. so like i um, so like i and i and i love say by the bell but like it really sounded like it fucked up her career pretty mm-hmm. hard i mean i more about showgirls yeah i feel like i hadn't seen her since then in anything but the saved by the bell revival yeah and i i'd never think to like look her yeah up, it's though, not it's, not, so like I'm, you do it's that. not like i've got her on like imdb yeah. and refreshing it every uh every month or so like she done anything she done anything <laughs> i was more of a kelly kapowski <laughs> no what was the um other one who comes on later with a leather jacket oh tori no yeah uh what what is it tori? no now Tori's stuck in my head, but I don't know if that's right. But I know exactly. No, oh my god, I know. She gives birth and she delivers a baby in an elevator. Oh man, what are they selling by the pal pots? And this is the the stuff people tune in yeah. for is half membering of Saved by the Plot, Saved by the Bell, and yeah. your Kickstarter. What I mean, one of the great things is your Kickstarter is already fucking smashed all its oh, records. Thank so you. yeah, should we should we talk about that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't. Know. I really think people want to hear more about that later seasons of the Mr. Carosi era mm-hmm. levels of uh, a Saved by the Bell. Give the, the people what instead. they want. Let's not talk about the Hawaiian what, vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Let what? Why was Leia Remedy really stole yeah. the show with that racist episode of uh... Yeah, like obviously I feel like it gets a lot of flack for but really then they're all working at the resort. It's def it's obviously objectively the best season of the show. I'm kidding. Oh, do not yeah. at me. <laughs> <laughs> or please do because I'm like I don't remember anything about that episode except thinking the only my reference point is I did a my buddy's uh, Brady Bunch rewatch podcast mm-hmm. and 
realized that the Saved by the Bell beach seasons were like rem- basically just ripping off the British. I just bush. remember the when they were in the college years too. The one counselor teacher guy was just such an odd look to him because he's this really jacked big dude with a the flowing coat with like this giant lion's mane of ringlets of hair and it's like that is such an interesting look like oh because i'm standing on the edge of tomorrow <laughs> today <laughs> but for real your kickstarter <laughs> yeah so um kind of one of the impetus <laughs> one of the impetus for us to get together is yeah so i uh I, my my, I am a writer. I'm an author, and I, I've um, started my first novel of space tripping. The sequel's coming out pretty soon here, around year end, or we'll see how things go with everything COVID, right? Um, but uh, the other project I've been working on that was really big was I co-wrote a D and D campaign book for fifth edition. Um, I was brought in. I have a friend who also is a writer named Rick Hines, and Rick is a novelist and also writes uh, like GM tips, game master tips for. He's written for Geek and Sundry and Nerdist and Gilding Light. Uh, he is a his experience in like the tabletop RPG gaming world and D and D and in similar systems is outrageous. The wealth of knowledge he has um, in Chicago, he runs. In a, like a, a weekly session called D and D for Kids, where you teach like it's like a, a scaled down version to teach kids like storytelling and collaborate, you know, collaboration. And he's got like two hundred kids that like attend these things, and what? yeah. So he is. That's great. I, I I've been playing for the better part of a decade. I'm definitely not a lifelong D and Der, but it's a late. It's something I've really fallen in love with in recent years, and just, yeah. And uh, so we we and we were friends. And we got because our both of our first novels were published by the same publisher. Uh, he came to my first book signing to meet. We had been online friends, met in person, hung out all day. We really clicked, stayed in touch. Then he reached out to me. I was like, "Hey, I got this thing. I think you'd be a really good person to kind of you know tag team this with me because we're we get along really well, but we're also very complementary in our writing styles and in, in uh, what we're good at. And we and we're definitely different like two sides of the same coin type of thing like where i'm maybe weaker he's stronger and vice versa um Mm. so the impetus for this was there's a there's a band there's a lot of layers i'm trying to do this as efficiently as possible there is a yeah yeah. i know it was covered fuck based off a metal yeah yeah so demorte is that uh, dm morte yeah so there is a band they're signed to dark star records called dm morte they're out of chicago they um, have an album and a stage show called The Red Opera, and it's actually like a 10-chapter, 10, 10 tracks. It's actually a, not like a gothic orchestral metal opera that they've performed, you know, in, you know, they perform on stage. There's an album you can listen to it on Spotify right now, and it, it does tell a story like an opera does. So it was kind of Rick's idea, and he was friends with Drake, who's the lead for the band, and... It's like, we should do this. We should turn this into a thing. So the band brought us in. It's like, okay, here's the the album. Create a world around it. Flesh it out. It was We started, it was just going to be kind of this little, like, 20,000-word mini-module thing, almost like a side quest. 20, so many but, words. Oh, it, <laughs> Chris, let me tell you what our final word count is. Yeah, I'm, like, um, yeah, I'm not a writer, yeah. so you could hear that. Uh, like, what? But... Uh, <laughs> it really took off and became a life of its own. And we built this huge sprawling campaign. Um, and we built this whole new region 
uh, that can take place in your D and D world and this living, breathing city. And there's ten there's ten songs on the album, so there's ten chapters in the book, and they have the same title as the song. And there's kind of a theme, and you go through this whole adventure in this setting we created. So we adapted that and made it a playable adventure and really fleshed out and created lore for the surrounding area where this this saga, the story takes place. Created NPCs, created characters. Um, it's it's all it's it is uh, on the five E engine. I'll say like the fifth edition D and D chassis. But that's about where it stops. Is everything is pretty much original in this, as far as content and like setting and creation. And my my main job was we kind of divided and conquered where our strengths were. So like Rick was definitely, and he had the he kind of had the vision for this. So he was taking lead on like the narrative, the like story, and creating the character, like these main NPC characters that you your players interact with. Um, I get to have what I think is the fun job. And I had to design like the settings and encounters and set pieces and monsters and enemies and stuff and the item that you fight and like the puzzles and the magic items you find and all of that. So like I created the city where it takes place and like, I, and there was collaboration all, all, the whole time through, but as far as like where we each were like the primary, you know what I'm saying? Like where I, I would take primary lead on this and then come back to him be like, what you think of this and get feedback and vice versa. But um, so that was a lot of fun. And then the main document campaign by itself is now like 85,000 words. And then we've, as of us talking, we've unlocked, we're on the verge of unlocking our fifth stretch goal. We've got four stretch goals unlocked. Um, three of those are uh, new mini adventure side quests that are already written that will be added in. Um, and then uh, a lot of other original content, like n new playable races, sp play player species that you can play that are native to the Shadelands, which is this region that we've created where this takes place. Um, new classes. So the the Red Opera itself, what we did was, and this was all credit to Rick for this. He had this great idea, and we're, we're probably going to do it again with another uh, class. Um, so I, I feel like. For those who aren't familiar, or you, you might know enough, you play D and D, you're a character, and you choose a class like wizard, or barbarian, yeah. or something. And those are, I feel like, the two most accessible for those who don't know, right? It's like, what type of like adventurer are you? You know, are you a cleric that heals mm. people? Are you a barbarian that smashes people with your big hammer? Are you a wizard and cast spells? So there's lots of different ones. There's one called a warlock, which we all know the word, but warlocks are very interesting because they're very versatile. They're often underutilized and overlooked. And there's no real official, in official D&D lore, there's no official like warlock capital. So we created mm. one. And what's interesting about warlocks in that world is warlocks get their power by forging a pact with some otherworldly entity. It could be malevolent, it could be benevolent, it, it could be neutral, you know, it could be a demon, an angel, whatever. You get your power by making a deal with some very powerful being and they give you these abilities to do cool spells and things like that and be an adventuring hero. But they always want something, right? They always want something in return for that. So we chose warlocks are kind of the set piece here. Kind of like they're the focal point of this and the through line. So it's a city that is controlled by warlocks and run by warlocks. And it's kind of like there's all these, they're called patrons or the powerful beings that grant them the powers. So we created new classes of warlock that, that aren't in D and D currently that you can play with different power sets and things. So I'm a big fan of stuff like that. Like give me new original things, new trinkets. I call them new toys sure. to play with in these sandboxes. Yeah. Um, 
Oh yeah, yeah. So it's a lot, and and I was really excited to see those all get sort of unlocked because that was really something we wanted to to make sure we were able to include was these side quests that incorporate these different new powers and abilities and stuff that we created. So. How much does your wife like when you talk about it? Um, she's like way more into it now when she sees how successful the Kickstarter is going. <laughs> oh yeah, because because I, I I saw in you what happens to me when I talk about my yeah. podcast. My wife is super supportive. Yeah. But then there gets there at some point I'm way more excited and it's like 11:30 at night and I was like I just I love that about people when like when you're talking yeah. you're like ah! yeah and as you're saying all that it's like no wonder that took 85,000 words holy <laughs> shit that was a lot like um so which is so funny because I have so many friends in D into D and D and for so many years I'd be like I don't know anything about it but now it's become enough of the culture where I still have never played it but I have like a osmosis of it from like TV it's, and movies so like I know like enough it's something where it's if you have a friend who will play with you who does know what they're doing it's actually the barrier to entry is very low if you have someone who can kind of walk it through you it's definitely one of those th- oh I've, I've i've been invited i just been lame and never did like community was i think did it the best for yeah. me well because this thing is it's, it's definitely one of those things like from the outside it looks and it is there's a fuck ton of stuff going on in the game right and stuff you have to know and rules you have to be aware of but it's not all at once, right? You can piecemeal it, like little by little. Just worry about creating a character first, and then you have your DM, and they'll guide you through it, and you can take your time. And um, honestly, it's if you have someone who already knows what they're doing, it's not that hard to dive in. And there's lots of great tools like D and D Beyond, where you can like build it, like kind of walks you through building a character sheet and all of that. And it's like it. It's. I think it's easier than ever to dip your toe in the water and try it out. Oh, it's and and like every creator I love talks about growing up and playing it. Like I mean, like the Russo brothers. I mean, like everyone. It's like how everyone learns storytelling. And, and I, it was cool when you mentioned that thing about your friend does it for kids. I was like, I wonder if my daughter would like that because I like, I you know obviously you want to push her towards that kind of no, stuff. No, it's um, yeah, it's great for like it seems cool. yeah learning storytelling. Because it is, it's improv, it's improv group, like collaborative storytelling, and it teaches you. Um, it's good for like so, like teamwork and collaboration, and um, it kind of shows you in real time like how it's so important when you're working and 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 engaging with other people to be supportive and uplifting of each other and bringing the like improv yes and into 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 daily life and. And it's a great example of that because everyone will come to the table with some kind of agenda for their character where they're like, I have this like funny bit I want to do. And I'm a big enabler of that stuff where it's like, whatever it is I think you're trying to do with your character, I want to help you do that. If you have like a funny bit, you're trying to just, whether it's some recurring joke or, um, or even if it's a more of a dramatic thing where you're trying to get some like kind of dramatic arc going for your character, I want to, whether I'm the DM or I'm one of your player teammates, I want to help. Um, I want to help you realize that, like when I'm at the table with you. And I've played with people that aren't like that, and it's a real fucking bummer, man. And nothing grinds it to a halt. And someone who's just like, nah, we're not doing. It. it just like shuts stuff down. And it's like, I get you think you're being funny, but you're kind of just like harshing it all. So it. I never heard anyone throw that improv line into it, and um, I was like, "Oh, that just checks off another one of my buttons." Of, uh, of I was like, "I fucking love all that." I was like, "Huh, I never, I never really thought of that." I don't think I even heard. I'm not. Even, I don't think I had any awareness of it until I was in college, mm-hmm. like at least where I grew up. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know anyone who played when we were kids. Um, the, you know, I was thinking, I was trying to remember, like, my knowledge from it, but, like, um, the series finale of Freaks and Geeks, they play in mm-hmm. D&D, and one of my favorite episodes of Community and iZombie, they play in mm-hmm. D&D, and I was like, that's kind of where I, I remember. I always think of the, did, oh, your Community fan? Oh, yeah. I, it's funny, earlier this year, yeah. I finished a rewatch of it, just personally, like, I went through and watched Because it. it came to yeah. Netflix? Mm-hmm. There's, like, a billion of these awesome Community podcasts that had just, like, popped off right when it came to Netflix. Yeah. And like, I've I've gotten to like just like become internet friends with them, and they're super nice. But like the a bunch of the writers and like Ken Jong and Joe McHale and all like the stars have been going on these like little tiny indie podcasts because like I they, I love that they seem to be like in on the fandom as much yeah. as the people who love community. Yeah. But that is so I, crazy. Um, my edit. I was gonna say what I'll tell you about DD two is like a lot of people will have an opinion of it of oh it's just like nerds that take themselves too seriously. It is so fun, and it is so funny. I'm, I'm telling you, the times I've laughed the hardest in my life are, are probably, like, three of the top four, like, the hardest laughter, like, pain in my side laughter. I'm going to say two to three of the top four in my life have been D&D related, where someone just does something or says something so outrageous and hilarious, just off the and perfect for the moment. And then, because all these crazy things will be happening, and you and you're invested, and you're going, you have hours, and on like an adventure, so stuff can be accidentally like set up or foreshadowed that you don't intend to. And there's some, and that's what great is so much of it is in the moment. And if something get pay happens to pay off, it's just, it's yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, that's so. I I never heard anyone bring the comedy part into it. Um, now are you like all like? For the, I know, basing off the album, are you a metal person, a metalhead Me too? Me personally, I am not. So I'll be, I'm very upfront about that. Okay. I don't want to be fake about it. I, I have, um, you know, I've dipped my toe in the water. There are songs I like, or you know, once in a while I go to, but I don't in any way want to overplay that or try to pretend like I'm not. Yeah. Rick definitely is. He, he's big in the metal, and there's a huge overlap in the metal and D and D scene. Um, but I appreciate it. I'm definitely a musical tourist. Very, you know, I'm a shameless, casual music fan where I've got literally like every genre across the board. There's something I like in it or a little bit here and there, an album or a few songs here or there. Um, very eclectic, but also very casual, right? Just very, and I'm trying to think of areas where maybe I, I have a deeper knowledge base, probably like hip hop. I have the deepest knowledge base, but, um, very very eclectic in my music tastes i never heard that term musical tourist yeah. <laughs> that's how i would describe myself with film yeah. like i like them and there's a few i can go deep mm-hmm. on but like when i talk to cinephiles and i just have to like tuck my tail between <laughs> my legs I'm like yeah i know i don't know like i saw certain things i do but not that yeah. much so that, because like everything that i was watching the kickstarter and like reading about it everything you're saying because you sound like i'm not sure if you ever do you go to the website the heart are you a fan of the hard times or the hard oh yeah hard drive? uh okay. do you know johnny taylor he's a comedian he writes for them i know the yeah name. he's 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 yeah, yeah he's a good guy he's been on our show he's he, we become you know casual very casual internet friends but he's been on let's rewatch yeah. and he's great and yeah he's yeah he writes oh, for them yeah the, I, yeah oh i have to follow him i think i think i definitely follow him online because yeah. i've had um i'm same thing internet like uh, he's a guest and like friendly with uh, Dan Kozu, but he writes all a lot of the metal mm-hmm. stuff for Hard Times, and he also wrote a book called Bengaria, which seems very much in line with everything you're doing. And yeah. I'll connect you. Yeah, with him, he's doing some stuff. He has just started an independent radio station in Atlanta. Great, would love to. Too. But like, it's just those metal hard. It's like because as you're, I'm like wow, metal, 
comedy yeah. and video games. So I'm like, yep, this <laughs> is the Red Opera. Like that, that is your fan oh, yeah. base right there. It's like those. Kids. And when it comes to like music, I'm very in the moment of like what fits the moment, right? Where if I was at like a metal show, I would be all in and like jumping around and digging it. And if I had never heard the song or didn't know a word of the band, it doesn't matter. I'd still be, you know, I'd still be all in. Cause why not? Like, right. Like go all in. like, don't stand against the wall, dive in, have fun with it. Same with, I know a lot of people like hate country and it's like a very polarizing genre of music. But if I'm like lounging and it's hot and sunny outside and you're like a pool or in the backyard and you got friends, you're hanging out and you're just like day drinking. Country's not a bad soundtrack for that. <laughs> like, like it's a, and, oh, and it's no, okay. And like, know. there are people that really don't like it and that's fine. You're allowed to not like things like, and I'm also, I'm trying not to yuck anyone else's yum, but for whatever the moment is, I'm, every genre of music has its moment in my opinion where it's like the perfect background music for whatever you're doing i mean i throw on like on like their google home like all the time like after dinner i got a cocktail i'm cleaning up after cooking some like frank sinatra and it's like yeah it's just it's so music's great and as much as i i yeah it's weird is i really love music but i'm also not ever going to call myself like an aficionado either at the same time where i know what i like and i have like this wide range of things that i like but um i feel like there's always like every type of music has its place and has its time do you think that was helpful for like the writing part of the red opera where you could like list you could write write this based off of the album Mm -hmm. more objectively because you i'm imagining you liked it but like you know, there's like sometimes if you like something, there's too much of an emotional connection, and you just can't see. Yeah. That. Like I, I have, been, I have records that I know are just fucking garbage that I just can't understand why. I'm like, no, I love this so much, but I, like that whole like mm-hmm. if you liked it when you're young, if I watched it today for the first time, would I like it or listen to it? But so yeah. like that must have been kind of good to have that strength in the team because you didn't have to like kind of worry about like what's the metal what are the fan like you don't have you don't have a fan base to answer to in terms of like metalheads or whatever you're just like i'm here to service the fucking story mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and, and also it helps where like my default writing is is much more um light-hearted tongue-in-cheek and comedy and this is not this is a pretty serious campaign you know with a lot of stakes and it's kind of dark and gothic and but it was a fun challenge for me and then i was also kind of brought it almost as like a and Rick and I again played really well off each other in sense of me being kind of like um like kind of like a checks and balances type thing where it's like all right maybe we pull back here and, and make a little joke to break the tension or something like that right because it's it can't be so serious all the time you know there's got to be a little to you got to have that like rise in tension and then break and then rise and then break and kind of give people breathers and and uh so it, it was fun for me to try and um, create very, you know, original, but the, these encounters that players would have to fight through or figure out that are very unique and very dynamic and, and just um, fun, challenging while being fun. I just really enjoyed that, the challenge of that. So on top of all this, uh, if you didn't have enough things to do and you're not writing or working out, uh, you host a podcast too, <laughs> with with past uh, friends of the show and past guests Ash Blodja and Brett Eagleston. Yep. And I was listening. I'm a huge fan of the show uh, podcast Nerdif- Nerdificent. And mm-hmm. then one of the episodes, I forgot which one. Uh, they're they're talking. About, it was around San Diego Comic Con. Uh, 
Ify Natalie Ellison just drops like, oh, and I ran into Ash Blagrat and Brad Eagleston at Comic Con. I was like, oh my oh, yeah. god! Like, I kind of didn't realize how many of all these mm-hmm. internet people I love, like you know, who've been on yeah. your show, like uh, Hector Navarro or we uh, Travis McElroy. Like, you've had so many fucking yeah. awesome people that like in the circle. Um, but so tell us a little bit about Lit Three Watch. Yeah. So let's rewatch. Uh, I'll, I'll do like the official byline of it, right? Because it actually sums it up pretty nicely. And then I'll uh, let's rewatch is a show where we watch movies we loved in our youth to see if they're still any good. So essentially, um, we take a movie each time, and we've been on a really great. We have a, we our guests have been lining up, and and uh, uh, have you ever been a guest, Chris, before my time as a host? Okay, well no. we gotta change that then. Okay, so I'm just saying it right now. Yeah. Official invite. Uh, no, Matt, invite take invite that. given take it invite back. given you're oh, you're gonna fuck, get yes. in that yeah we're gonna get you on I would love so that. It's, it's nice when we so we have kind of a list that we think would be good but when we have guests which are most of the time these days um we'll let the guests choose or if they have a movie that they loved back in the day that they haven't seen in a long time and and for general guidelines we say the movie itself should be at least 10 years old and it should be like at least three to five years since you've seen it so there's some ambiguity whether it's it holds up or not, right? Um, or what we've had guests where they like, man, I can't choose between these two or these four movies, and we'll do like a Twitter poll, right, with our followers and and see and let the followers. That's choose. a good idea. Uh, and then Brett and I will like try to put our thumbs on the scales and be like, we want this one, do this one, do this one, and like tell people to vote. Uh-huh. <laughs> the rascals. Um, but uh, so what's interesting about the format though, this isn't just a like we're gonna watch a movie and talk about it. Uh, it is a little bit of a commitment on like the guest part, but it's it's the end result's kind of a unique experience because what happens is we get on a call like we're having here and we talk about the movie for about 20 to 30 minutes and share trivia and talk about the cast and director and, and how it did at the box office, but we haven't watched it yet. So it's kind of a, here's some interesting tidbits, fun facts, here's who's in it, what do you, people who have seen, you know, like who's seen it, who hasn't ever seen it, what do you remember about it? predictions what do you think what do you, what do you think we're in for and then we pause the recording and we hang up and we all go watch the movie in real and we all go watch the movie in our homes and then as soon as we're done and, and we're pretty much we're pretty good about you know bam 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 knocking it out we hop back on the recording and then you know so minutes after we just watched it and then in real time you know it the credits rolled five minutes ago i'm back on and we're talking about it as far as like what are our reactions to it how did it hold? That is so fucking cool. It's fun because you kind of have that split and you can kind of feel the energy change, whether it's positive or negative, depending on how the movie went. Uh, yeah. I forgot what, what word you, um, was it composite memory? I think I think you guys were talking about on your Aliens episode. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what you were talking about, but like how often sometimes like all of the, the hosts like, it's, I don't remember, I know it was an example. I'm trying, I'm kind of blanking, but I'll make it, I'll make up to make so it makes sense but like you know how there's like uh, I make just say there's a trilogy and people often think that they like a movie more than they do because they remember parts from number mm-hmm. two that were oh that was one. yeah yeah mm-hmm. like but, yep yeah, oh yeah that. yeah i i am so fucking guilty of that like i spent my whole life thinking that i thought the ninja turtle movies were the greatest movies of my whole entire life blah blah um going back the first one's really fucking mm-hmm. good Second one is only good because I liked it when I was seven and I forgot the third one existed. But I conflate, I would conflate like thinking that the vanilla icy and two was actually three. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, I completely yeah. wiped out the fact that they went to Asia. So in my yeah. head, 
I like it, it but like which I think it's really fun. It is it's kind of fun of how much you misremember stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. With like it's I mean I know all about the Mandela effect and stuff like that and like it's like I like this kind of stuff but, but I think that your your the podcast does that so well. It's like, oh yeah. And I like too like when you guys do an ep- and you have not only do you guys have like a great guest but you always pick movies that well maybe because I'm like we're all in the same age range like it's one of the few movie podcasts I'm like I've seen pretty much every movie on here. <laughs> I'm sure it's to do with like the age range yeah we're um like mid to early 30s and but we all and it's also it is interesting Dorks. it is interesting though there are years especially like in the 90s there are certain years that just had a lot more movies that are iconic and like like 92 93 96 97 are huge there might be i don't know we joke about it how like 93 is like on the route rush more of years yeah so many movies from 1993 96 what's 93 let me pull up give us a list because i'm trying because my i'm not good at these things i'm out yeah I don't know why I asked you if you should know that off the top of your head. I think you're not prepared for it. I don't know. No, you're good. I'm just Googling top movies of 1993. Can, can I take a guess? Let's see, 93. Yeah. Let's, um, like, what is it? No, Keaton Batman's, what, 89? Yeah. Uh, and then, what's well, 93? I don't, I don't even fucking know what I would have watched. Jurassic Park, maybe? I, could go th- I should go through our episode list and be like, I can probably pick out. Uh, Army of Darkness, um, Jurassic Park. Um, Jurassic Park, I got one. Yeah. Not only not not just the biggest movies, but ones we've done on the show. But yeah. there's yeah, tons of movies you'd remember today. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. That's um, wow. Cool Runnings, Rudy, Grumpy Old Man. I don't know if you've done this in the show, but just like you know, movies everybody knows. The Firm. This is it's. Cool. I'm just making a list of things I need to go back and watch. Yeah. Yeah, I used to. Dem- love, Demolition. I love. We did Demolition Man. Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, that was 93? I know. It feels like it would be like... Wow. A, I would If you told me what year, I would have guessed like 95 for that Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, the Sandlot. It, that's... that. It's funny you know, how every year, like most of my nephew's six, so um, him and all his little friends on, on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. he, they're all obsessed with Sandlot, which I think is like so cool. They, and then he just watched Jurassic Park. Like, it's always every generation to see what's the next one to carry over mm-hmm. but i never like sandlot is like that whole that held that definitely holds up yeah. i watched that somewhat recently i believe it does i've just seen it so many times i don't even need to see it again <laughs> uh hey how did how did ash do with the marvels movies did she end up coming around? oh yeah she loved them and i made her say on air twice that i was right and she was wrong so i gotta have to go back and listen to that because uh, I, I guess i guess like his marvel movies like i guess too like you know you just have like I guess I've had this thing about D and I guess I just had this unconscious bias against it for no, mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason, and so I get it. Sometimes, like I think I, I feel like if I never saw a Marvel movie, I would hate them because the fans are so annoying, and I'm one of them. But like, I mean, I was. I think I don't know. I just the, I just love if the them. only thing you've ever seen about an MC movie is a trailer, it would be so easy to dismiss them as just like oh they're just schlock they're just yeah like muscly guys in cgi suits punching monsters it's like oh that's there i mean yeah it is but i'm saying it's not it's and that's my my first response with the whole scorsese comments is like he has obviously never actually sat down and like watched them yeah or watched and not all of them necessarily but even you know about one at the most at the most because there is so much nuance and complex and character growth over the over the length of the infinity saga and yeah. change oh and um 
in, yeah, what you said, you said earlier, man, I've only seen a movie by myself in the theater twice and it was infinity war and Endgame, and i did it on purpose because i really wanted to just sit by myself and i just went to like a matinee on like the fridays of the weeks that came out by myself Uh, like a noon show and yeah Endgame man was one of the best if not the best theater experiences i've ever had and like the way the crowd everyone was just losing it and like laughing or like cheering and just at the right time and yeah it's just and you're emotional, and it, yeah. Oh, I so uh, to to to. Oof, I'll make fun of my. No, I'm not making fun. I'm fucking proud of yeah. this. So my brother and I, the, we, just the way it worked out, we couldn't get childcare, so we couldn't. Oh, my wife and I couldn't go together, so we ended up going the second night. But like my brother-in-law, Alex, and I, like he's my bud. Um, he's on the autism spectrum. Uh, like very, uh, like very, very high functioning, but like I, not an emotional person. Like great, but and um, but like huge Marvel fan. And I've known him for ten years, and that was the first time in my entire life I've ever seen him have a seen him cry. And not only was it him, the entire because we went the first night, the entire theater. So the embarrassing part on my end is at one point I was keeping it together, so I thought, and all of a sudden the woman next to me handed me a tissue. <laughs> like I mean, I didn't real I because I, I thought I was just doing a little like a. But apparently I was, like, fucking... Yeah. I, so I took a ton of edibles before it started, so I think that didn't help. So I hit 50 right around, like, when Black Panther yeah. came out. Oh, man. Came Come out. Through. Mm. And right around that area when the, they were coming out, I was like, oh, I took too much. Yeah. But it wasn't me. Every single person in that theater, and it was a very... I saw some... I think it's Providence or, or... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, everyone looked different. I mean, people... Yeah everything it was like what america could look like it was insane yeah. i saw people like tough motherfuckers bikers like gang members yeah. whatever everyone was walking out just ball i've never seen so many men openly crying and i've been to a lot of funerals mm-hmm. it was that good and you know the part that got me the hardest is what fucking happened when he's like yep we're dads yeah. Oh, yeah. so that that yeah. got me that yeah and I, my daughters are like <gasps> that age. yeah so it's oh my daughters God. are that age it was so, the yeah. most Oh, it was the most communal experience. But besides, but even like if you're someone who's like, I don't want to watch twenty six movies mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, just the first Iron Man is like everything about that movie does not make yeah. sense. Like he's it's so. Uh, I don't know. But now I love Marvel movies like the way I like television. Yeah. Like if I have a mood. If I want to laugh, I'm watching yeah. Ragnarok. If I want to like a heist movie, I'm watching Ant Man. If I want like some more, if I want to fucking just go for it, we're going Endgame yeah. or whatever. Or I. The Spider-Man too, actually. Those Spider-Man Homecoming, the I Spider-Man movies, I've been watching Tom a ton. Spider- Spider-Man. Um, yeah, I love one of my favorites that I feel like it's doesn't. It's one of my personal top five that isn't mentioned a lot. It's just a personal thing. Is um, Winter Soldier, and it's something. Oh my god! It's it's something perfect. I love about it's a perfect it. And here's movie. why it's really great too, and I think so. I love um, taking uh, an established genre, and then I like smaller stories, or and that's not you know. Of course, it's not like small, right? A giant fucking helicarrier, like it. But it part of what I like about it is it's not a superhero movie. It is a spy thriller that takes place in a superhero world. I love stuff like that, and I want to see them do that. Now that they've done this, like the saga, I want to see them do that with like Star Wars. I want, and that's like Rogue One was like that. Rogue One was like a a spy war movie that takes place in the Star Wars universe. I want to see that type of stuff, like superhero stuff, Star Wars stuff, stuff where it's like, and I like doing that with, and I, and I want to make more stuff like that myself, where it's like, take an established genre like that, like fantasy, and 
because of Red Opera, I have um, a novel. It's like a side project I had to shelve. I want to come back and finish it. But I'll tell you, it's basically like, uh, it's almost like a, a gangster crime novel, but takes place in like a Tolkien fantasy world. I love So this. I love stuff like that. Yeah. And it's, I love it. I love so it like, so much. Like, give me the trappings of these of these genres we love, but but do do a different kind of story in them. You know, don't give. Yeah. You know who did that pretty well? Um, did you ever watch iZombie? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I found it very enjoyable. I love iZombie. Mm-hmm. Terrible name, great show. <laughs> yeah, they they did. I love when they would do um like when they would take like that kind of rap the genre mm-hmm. thing. It just I don't know. As you're talking about, it made me think of the, uh, they did like the film noir episode yes. and they mm-hmm. do the D and D stuff. I, yeah. I'm totally with you. I, I want to see more of that. And like, um, I forgot how I was having this conversation was probably, um, probably producer Chris Ball, who, sorry, Chris couldn't be here tonight. We, we miss you buddy. Um, and we were, Oh no, I remember. So our producer Bree, um, she doesn't get the Muppets. Like she just never saw mm-hmm. it. It's just not her thing. And me and Mike and Chris were trying to con- explain to her. I'm like, it's like a Marvel movie. They're just characters, and then they can wrap them up and do different mm-hmm. things with it. And it made me think. I'm like, I think the Muppets are the original Marvel. Yeah, they have their own. Yeah, yeah. They, they're the yeah they're the original MCU, the Muppet Cinematic Universe. They're the Muppet. <gasps> oh, I, now I just want to see like a Muppet yeah. movie of like Which, Super, Super one of the a Marvel Muppet movie. Can you write yep, that? Yeah, down, writing it down. Uh, one of the biggest crimes in film of all time is that they've like you can't find the edit now of the Muppet Christmas Carol with the the Love Is Gone song in the middle of it, and it's like that's so powerful. Why is that? And it, they felt like it slowed things down too much, or like kids didn't get it. Uh, but like it makes the song they sing at the end make sense. Like the love we found. Yeah. It's like because they sing yeah, and it's like, and it also, it's like they do these weird cuts now where he's just crying all of a sudden but like that song is so powerful and emotional and great and it's like no it's okay let the kids like learn that and like see that like and i and but but again that you know that's a great because that goes into another point i was going to bring up with the marvel movies too is part of why i adore um what i'll call like comedy adventures like and kind of an action adventure but it's kind of comedy too and the mcu does a great job of that is a they're just a shit ton of fun Okay, they're just fun, and this is what it's supposed to be. It's entertainment. It's supposed to be fun. B, the emotional moments for me hit twenty times harder in an otherwise comedic piece of media because of all the good times you've shared and felt. And it's not just an endless slog of like. There are so many shows that are very popular. Again, not gonna if if you like it and enjoy it, and it brings you a little bit of calm at the end of the day, like these like primetime dramas that are just like an endless slog of like human tragedy, and it's like just. What's like, I have cancer, but I'm also pregnant and I'm in love with two different men type show. And like, I'm not going to name any shows because I don't want to call anyone out, but I'm saying you're probably thinking of one. You probably know someone who, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a couple of them that are very popular dramas right now. For me, that doesn't do anything for me because it's literally, it's just like a writer's room is like, what's some like fucked up shit that we can throw at these characters, right? Whereas you give me a show like a community, like a Scrubs or a movie series like MCU. Oh, I love Scrubs. Where. Yep the majority of the time it's fun and funny and it's realistic care, you know, endearing character in these are very endearing characters. So when something real happens or something, you have a sad episode, you have the Brendan Fraser arc in scrubs or something like oh, it so hits. Where do you think so it, it has so much more weight, so much more emotional mm-hmm. weight. It hits so much harder. And that's the type of stuff I like making too, is where like most of it is fun. 
and then you have if you have a few poignant moments there i think their value is just so much greater and they will mean so much more to people which Marvel movies were you referring to? I, I I think I missed you say it. Oh well, I'm saying well because of Endgame and the reason Endgame hit so hard. Oh was yeah, yeah, because yeah. because yeah. Tony Stark was such a funny character who had like one-liners and quips for a decade. Yeah. The fact that he and then was, sacrificed oh, I, yeah. himself is like that, and then um, it it's the yeah. one thing Doctor Strange couldn't see. Oh my god, because yeah. no, he it, it, I know, and I I wonder what's gonna be now seeing it again after we lost uh, 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 Russell. Oh Power man, that I think it's gonna that isn't like the top three of fucked me up. Um, like for it, Carrie Fisher, Robin Williams, Chadwick Boseman are like my top three of where I had a personal emotional. Um, oh yeah, Robin Williams. He took his life on my um um he he passed. I'm yeah. sorry uh, on my birthday. Oh man. Uh, so I'm like, yeah. Oh. I mean, I don't obviously know him, but like yeah. I was and Stan to, Lee. So it's top four and Stan Lee, people. but like yeah. It, the people like I, I'm not one who gets like real worked up over like yeah. cele- celebrity deaths, but I had certain ones, and I was like, ta- I work in like behavioral. I was like explaining I, uh, why Chad like meant to so many people. I was like, I was like, well, for a lot of times when people when we lose someone famous, it's just kind of helping a lot of people. It brings up unresolved issues of what or grief or just yeah. of their own personal life, and you know what I mean, like and like and you know, T'Challa just meant so much to so many on levels well, that I'll never understand, which to, I think is great. To learn how quiet he kept it and he and pretty much all of his black panther stuff doing these incredible being in great shape and doing these incredibly physical demanding and then the slog of like the pr and the marketing stuff and just like the demands of what these roles take um there i'm like it's like there isn't a word we don't have a word in english for like that level of strength i don't uh, like my my mom is like a is a uh dual cancer survivor and she's a badass bitch yeah. i think i think that's a good i think that's a good thing that the kids say i hope mom <laughs> <laughs> but but like yeah and like i literally almost killed her but like i don't understand how she i just knowing people going through i don't understand how anyone does it but like yeah like while filming and even like press or mm-hmm. like and he's doing chemo like i don't know and then all those videos of him online of him going to children's hospital Oh, and like, and then not only did he just make like these incredible movies, but like he was like, I have four, I have X, I'm, I'm making up the narrative, but you know, he made four, he made the movies he made that seemed like on purpose before he mm-hmm. knew he was no longer with us, but like 42, James Brown, Black Panther, yeah. like those are, uh, Thurgood Marshall, like, I mean, he was just like, I'm going to make black culture <laughs> legendary. Like yeah. he just, well, and, wow. And 42 is incredible. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of those things that didn't you don't realize it. It's like, yeah, he's that he he's the guy. He did that and he did that, and then you look back like, holy shit, he did in a he was in like relatively efficient amount of time and efficient amount of movies. It was like insanely strong performances, very important pieces of art, and and just yeah, uh, and highlight culture yeah. that like I mean, forty two is uh, the James Brown movie. Actually, I didn't think was very good. But I actually, I, I have not seen that one. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, it was very. If I'm remembering correctly, but I think the, they tried to get a little creative with like the narr- like the the cut back, the cuts and back, like trying to non-linear story, mm-hmm. and it was actually just more frustrating. But I tried to um, the 42. I really loved. I didn't see any of the other ones. Obviously, I watched Black Panther after we lost. Yeah, me too. And, and actually, and it's funny. I saw it like two weeks ago before I saw it in theaters um, in Rhode Island. So we have movie yeah. theaters open safely-ish, uh, but. Um, I saw it in theaters a couple weeks before anything, just out of the blue. I was like, oh, fuck, I'll see Black Panther. And I was like, man, 
I forgot how good this movie is. I mean, because I always thought I didn't like it as much as I did because there's like one chunk of it is kind of like, yeah, uh-huh. but the rest of it's great. And I was like, nope, that part was fine for me now. And like, it it, it was yeah. better the third, well, second, third, fourth watch. Killmonger is my favorite Marvel villain of them too. Oh, I it's hard because I've known I've loved Michael B, B, Michael B. Jordan since The Wire, mm-hmm. so I still look at that little. I'm like, oh, oh I think of it. I think of him since. Uh, well, yeah. Since, oh, yes, from The Wire. Yeah. Oh man, and that's another one. Of the, I mean, Ugh. that's a serious drama, so it doesn't fit into my other argument earlier. But when uh, is it D'Angelo is like just going off like, where's Wallace? Where's Wallace? Where? The, yeah. Else, yeah. Where the fuck? Yeah. 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 Oh man. Oh, just, Michael B. is so good yeah. in that movie. Like, oh, kind of. Well, because he's like, he's like. What's great is they gave him a thing where it's like you know it's the it's the old cliche the best villains are the ones who think they're the heroes, and he thinks like I'm writing wrongs, and what I love about it is it wasn't so um, poor choice of words so black and white right because he did bad things but T'Challa saw. He kind of had a point, though, too. It's like the way he was doing it, nah, I'm not going to help wage war on the world. But he had a point that we have all these resources and we've done nothing yeah. with it to help the world. And so he sees a point. So you try to find that, like, compromise and happy medium. And, like, his ending and his speech at the end about bearing up sea, like, just gut wrenches me. And is so, like, in just a short few sentences, is so powerful. He's so, yeah, he's great. He's phenomenal. And then, but uh, going back to the Chadwick, though. He's got some of just the way he, some of his line deliveries, especially like Infinity War, two lines he has are so great about like evacuate the city, engage all defenses, and then he just looks at Cap and it's like, and get this man a shield. That, my like hair stands on end every time I watch that. Every time. I've seen the movie so many times every time. And then when they have the little like tete a tete with the, uh, the Black Order when they come down before the fight at Wakanda in Infinity War, and uh, they like, Thanos wants this, and he's like, about in in his response he sees this massive imposing undefeatable alien army and his response is you'll have nothing here but dust and blood and it's just so great and it's yeah uh i just like was listening to one like on one of his past podcast experience mm-hmm. and I, I didn't realize i never heard him talk because when i think of him i think of him talking to oh yeah it was actually my wife my wife told me and she's like yeah it was his idea to have the african mm-hmm. accent and i like that's an accent. Like I never even put that together yeah. until I and I was, I was like, oh, but that fuck. I still can't even that when he um it's Mumbaku and he mm-hmm. was he says he's like but yeah father yeah like that one word just sticks in it and I I just he's oh my god he's but you know what it's it's, it's crazy because we can talk about how great he is in that movie but everyone yeah. Angela Bassett kills mm-hmm. it uh Sin, um Forrest Whitaker oh god, Forrest Whitaker Forrest thank uh, you but yeah Winston um, Duke is in even the short time. Yeah. Forza, yeah. yeah, as a, a Baku is great, and I was, yeah, then Baku, that guy funny, and that joke that comes out of nowhere, the vegetarian, like, like, yeah, yeah, like it actually hits. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Who's um Sterling K. Brown? Is even though yeah. he's in it just yeah, a yeah, little yeah, bit, yeah. he's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I forgot um Sherry. I mean, Lupe is just like yeah. bringing something special. What is the bald woman's name? I don't know her name, but she. I don't know her real name. Okoye is that is the character. I don't know her. Yeah, she's great. Oh yeah, she's awesome. She's got yeah. I'm glad that they like made her like and they gave her more of like a role to in like Endgame and stuff and. uh... Oh my god, it was so good. Um, The last thing I did want to actually ask you about was you said you do D and D streams on Geekly Media and. 
I don't know what any of those words meant, but that's so cool. No, I'm what Geekly Media. So it sounds like I got to look into that. And I actually was I, I had written down a question because I was like, oh, this D and D thing is like, can you play it online, especially right now? Because I've been hearing about people doing uh, cards against humanity on Zoom, which sounds really fun. And like I know AA is on Zoom or whatever. Like so obviously this exists. I'm I'm just starting to learn about the streaming. Um, like we just did a watch party. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. So I'm, I'm, we're about to join Twitch and like all that, like for the podcast technically, but really just to have a reason to play video games and be like, it's for work. Yeah. You can absolutely. So D and D, um, there are people who are purists that like earlier versions, like three or like three point five or fourth edition better. And D and D in its kind of original form was originally meant to be played because it's before you know before internet around a table, and a lot of it involves like a map and little figurines moving, but they really did some reworking with fifth edition and you can most of the time I'm playing it. Um, we're not using like a visual aid, like a map or anything like that. It's all theater of the mind and you're just talking and you're on a video call with each other. And sometimes you'll throw images on screen. Um, wow. but, uh, to answer like your question. So yeah, I do want to shout them out cause they're a phenomenal community of human beings. There is a community on the internet and out there called geekly, you know, geek and then L Y geekly, geekly Inc. Okay, they're a podcast network, and um, just a gen- like a real, true, actual community of folks. They have a Discord. They have an annual convention, a con every year. Not this year, of course, because you know, 2020. Um, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and they have a bunch of podcasts. Probably their most well known or flagship show is called Greetings Adventurers. It's a real. It's called a real play mm. podcast where you play. Um, and that's a whole huge genre currently of podcasts. They're called real play, where people are playing D anD D and record themselves. Oh yeah, oh I yeah. It is mass- well. Have you heard of Critical Role ever, Matthew Mercer? Okay, no. so that one is so popular, and it's all professional voice actors. It's apparently getting adapted into an Amazon show. So, um, oh, I, I, read, I, yeah. I did read about that. So, real play podcasts are basically people they're rec- they're creating podcasts or doing streams or both. Like they stream it and then turn the audio into a podcast. You know, a couple days later of people playing through a D&D or other system tabletop campaign. Because what it is is, and we talked about earlier, what it ends up being is basically like an improv radio play. Because you're telling a story. You have the DM who's like your narrator, and then you have your players who are like your cast of characters, your main heroes, and you follow these characters on an adventure. So probably the most popular show is Greetings Adventurous. It's funny, I just was on, I did a two-part guest spot the last two weeks on their show, and it was great. I'm, fr- I'm, I'm friends with the people that run it, and I go to, I'm like, I go to their con every year. and um, That's so cool. It's a lot of fun. So I also do another show on their Twitch channel, on the Geekly Inc. Twitch channel, that's like the daytime show, because they want to do something during the day. Not everyone is as blessed as I am to be able to do that during the day, right? With like jobs and stuff, and like, like more traditional jobs but- and work. If it's the internet, man, there's all different yeah. time zones. People are watching so, somewhere at different times. Yeah, yeah so, that's cool. So I do play in a regular game on at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Geek Link, and we're playing through Descent into Avernus is the last bit, or there's a new one that just came out, but it was the last from last year, big official. So Wizards of the Coast is the company that owns D&D officially, and they put out this big sprawling thing called Descent into Avernus. Avernus is hell. It's D&D hell. So it's this campaign that we're playing through where I play a character, and we've gone into hell to fulfill a quest and we're battling demons and devils and stuff like that. And we're kind of nearing the end and they have this, so we play through it every Tuesday for two hours. Um, and I play a character on that and we're going through this adventure together and you know, people can tune in 
all the episodes are on YouTube. Um, we call it the Happy Hell Hour because <laughs> we're in hell. <laughs> um, but so we might have to rename it because after we finish, we're not going to be in hell anymore. But uh, so I do that. This sounds so fucking cool. I cannot wait to check this out. And then there's a couple of stuff potentially in the works. Um, Rick, my co-writer, and I have talked to Ash, actually, about potentially doing a show on Laugh Stash where we would do kind of these, like, one-shots or these self-contained episodes with guests where we'd play different, not just D&D, but similar games to, like, D&D systems, you know, and have guests on and play a little mini-adventure on there. Um, As of us recording this the red opera our kickstarter our next stretch goal on deck is to uh fund a pilot show where we'll play through the red opera and then other content on um the q games channel on twitch q like the like line q u e u e um oh i just goodness. i just as i was recording we're 1400 dollars away from that so hopefully we hit that pretty soon um oh uh, you're gonna get there so yeah it's 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 so they're a lot of fun, honestly. It really comes down to, um, you know, the personalities of the cast, right? If they're people that you vibe with and you, you're going to find... I guarantee you there's so many. There's one out there you probably will find and like. You know, the McElroy brothers do one called The Adventure Zone. Um, they have, like, a book, too. Like, a New yeah, York Times best-selling have, uh, book they, now. Yeah, they've adapted... They're adapting it into graphic novels, like, volume by volume. Um, but, uh, yeah, so those graphic novels are selling are graphic novel adaptations of their D&D podcast. So those adventures are what's funny about those. You go through and read those, those stories. A lot of that was improv because like there's a DM and then they're playing characters and the DM presents you with a situation and he doesn't, they don't know how you're going to, I've made this joke a million times. It's not even a joke. It's the truth. There is nothing more chaotic in this universe than a and d player because there is no telling what they're going to do. And that was one of our biggest challenges in, in like writing the red opera was you have to lay out this adventure in this campaign and you have no clue what the player is going to do because you can theoretically do anything. Oh, wow. You can say anything, do anything. Yeah. And you kind of have to like lay it out there and help the DM and get there. But uh, keep that in mind. Like, man, and try to think of every... And, you, and we'll still never think of every you know possibility of what a player will do um, or, or try to do in a situation. But it's just... That is... I, I wow. highly recommend it the gaming if not D, then something similar to it because there's like there's versions of it or other t- they're called tabletop rpgs ttrpgs there's other systems that are fantasy based there's like sci-fi ones or western ones or steampunk ones or any mm. genre you want um they're just so much fun and also like a less barrier to entry mm-hmm. like if you don't if you're not a video game like you don't own a system yeah, or something literally like that. all you well, need is a group of people to do it with and uh a video yeah. calls or Skype or Zoom or Discord or Hangouts or whatever, and you can theoretically do it that, like that. And there's, yeah. I'm gonna hit you up afterwards to get more information. For sure. This just sounds like, hey, I just wanted because like, and so like, well, part of my job is like, I, like, I work with other people like with mental health issues and yeah. stuff. But like, especially the pandemic, like, isolation's fucking bad. So I'm always trying to find new ways for people to like do ways to communicate and, and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, I can think of so many people I know that would be like instead of sitting home watching TV tonight, go fucking try that. Because a lot of times for the older people I work with, it's like, well, I don't have a place. I can't Twitch. I don't have a PlayStation or an Xbox. Or I yeah. don't use a PC. I, I people don't use a phone. But this is like, they just need to be on like Zoom. Yeah. You don't even need to and buy like, dice because there are online dice simulators. Oh my God. Yeah. There's like such a no bear. I mean, like, but the dice are really cheap. I, you can buy sets of like D&D 
like seven different kinds of dice yeah. for like ten bucks. You know, like, like we're all gonna be home yeah. for the a lot more than we used to be for the foreseeable yeah. future. Like we just have to wrap our heads around that part of it. So like I'm like I'm my personal self. It's like I I need to socialize yeah. and do things. And like but like this is like the perfect well, time. Like everyone out there can try the cool this. Thing it's is, like why would you not? Yeah, try like let's take like the Red do? Opera for example. Like I'm shooting myself in the foot here. I'm trying to sell, you know we want to sell as many books as we can. But I'll be real here. If you have a group of like four people or five people and you want to do this, you really only need one copy. The DM, the GM, the person who's going to lead and narrate is really the only one who needs a copy of the book. Um, it's like, go check it out. Like there are, and, and there's so much content in there and there's lots of like merch add-ons and we've got like little mini figures of our main characters. We have a dice tower, a, a tower. If you're not familiar, a dice tower is this thing where instead of like just rolling with your hand, you basically like drop it in a little tower and it rolls down and it, it falls into a little tray. And it's just kind of cool. And um, we've got custom dice. Just, we've got yeah. Uh, you, you guys put a lot of fucking work yes. into this. <laughs> yes. Like oh my god! So everyone, even if you just buy one, then the other three of you just share everything, and then uh, and then go go take it out from your local library. So the library had to buy it, so you still get a sale. Well, yeah, though that's you guys put a lot of work. Like, I can't even. How many hours have you ever even just stopped to think how many hours you d- jumped into this? It's. I mean, it, it's been. Thousands. I'll just say it's. It's been my primary like project for a year now. As far as year, yeah, because well, we had to write it. So first, we had to write the document. So Rick and I wrote the document, and then we had a little help from a buddy of ours, Joe from Manslayer. You know, Joe Osfani, another very talented writer. Um, and we had it early January, and then we need like how we're gonna get this created. So we talked, and then we partnered with this studio, Apotheosis Studios, and they've done like all the art and the layout, and they're doing the printing. And if you go just check out the page for no other reason than to see the absolutely gorgeous art that Apotheosis created, it's mind blowing what they've done. Um, and then we have with Diamorte, and then we also brought in Diamorte partnered with the Budapest Symphonic Scoring Orchestra. And what they did is they created like new extended versions of the orchestral backing music to make it longer. So every chapter has a QR code in the front of it. You scan the QR code and it basically cues up a backing track to play the chapter two of like orchestral symphony behind you that like is like background music for your gameplay. (laughs) I love the level of nerdery and this is why nerds make the best art. Yeah, it's we really, really, really are swinging for the fences here. <laughs> no, I mean it shows that the Kickstarter is going great. People who can, please, 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 if you can, donate at the very least, share. And um, man, this has been such a fucking blast to uh, chat with you. Um, is there anything we missed? I mean, I don't know if you wanted to dive a little deeper into your uh, space. Yeah, my space. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, I will because that's yeah. But I mean, if you're listening to this. Because Wayne Knight really brings it. <laughs> oh, well, I mean... <laughs> Take that, Bill uh, I do love space stuff. That is, like, my novel series. But uh, it's... Oh, actually, I did want to ask you about the Pentagon Files. What the fuck is your thought about this alien shit? Oh, it's... Yeah. I mean, I it's, it's cool. cool. I, I 100% believe there's aliens out there. Whether or not we've actually made contact, though, because I think people... Sometimes it's hard to wrap our heads around how fucking big the universe is and the galaxy. It's just... it's. Um, I'm most people who, like, 100%... 100% believes aliens exist, but think it's very, very unlikely we will make contact with them at any, in the next, like, generation, century, or centuries. Like, it's just, because it's so, it's so fucking big, the universe. And the odds, and, like, in the in the grand scale of things, our entire civilization is like a, a snap. 
in the like it's it's nothing so what you have to have is like there was a great um sort of like act out like stage bit i saw uh i don't know if he's like a musician or comedian dude that kind of like it's kind of like bittersweet and sad because what it means is literally in the grand scheme of things of the universe our entire existence of humanity you know ten thousand years plus you know or you know quote unquote human civilization millions of years whatever is in compared to the universe is just a, a, a wisp and so so what you need is you need to have two snaps that happen to happen at the same time right and overlap and then be close enough because you could literally have a hundred thousand year civilization whew, happens over here in the universe and have another hundred thousand civil you know year existence of a sentient species happen over here but those hundred thousand years could easily not overlap or they could be you know million light years away from each other so it's kind of like civilizations have probably have come and gone before our time and are still yet to rise and it's like it's almost it's like beautiful and sad at the same time yeah it's like um if you listen to the the what is um that the carl sagan the we are a speck among speck amongst a speck mm-hmm. like you can take that as real heartening or real yeah. sad I, I i choose to make me really happy it's like bittersweet like... for me like um a lot of people don't like that movie at astra brad pitt i like it for nothing else there's a lot of stuff that's kind of weird or dumb about it i do love the existentialness like the existential crisis of it where it's just like the lone human and and a void against like the infinite reach of space is just very fascinating to me um and my own writing is is much less deep when it comes to space stuff my like book series space tripping like the first one's out you can get it on paperback or ebook or audible it's on audible as well or next to you. Yeah, right here, guys. Yeah, it's next to me. I know uh, it's beautiful art too. I, it looks beautiful. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and then the sequel is probably around year end, late twenty. You know, probably around the holidays of twenty twenty. Probably just do like a virtual. You know, get it out there in paperback too, and Audible and all of that. But no book signings because you know, fucking COVID. Um, <laughs> but like, if if you like uh tongue in cheek fun sci fi romps, uh, imagine like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But a little, uh, but more swearing and beer drinking. <laughs> I love this. So people can hear you on the podcast. They can read your books. They yeah. D and and then how do you fit a workout in all this? I just don't sleep much. I mean, I do it, and I've gotten <laughs> yeah. really efficient. I've actually, I used to be. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever get back to it. Obviously, I, I was the biggest gym rat in the world. You know, like, but it took up so much. It takes up so much time, and then like the closest decent gym to where I, my house is like minimum 15 minutes one way so you're talking minimum half hour round trip and it's a lot of time yeah. so with the covid stuff pandemic i invested in some honestly pretty low cost equipment for my house like and i've gotten and i've kind of fallen in love with my home workouts i don't know if i'm gonna go back and so i'm just because of the efficiency and stuff and it's like i just have like a cheap exercise bike i've got like one of those like pull-up dip racks i'm gonna get probably get a weight vet and like some resistance bands and if it's all and like i used to be a big old school like powerlifter guy right like with barbells and the big bars and deadlifts and all that and i'm kind of like i feel really good now my joints feel way better and <laughs> and i save so much time <laughs> and i'll probably you know so i don't know if i'll go back uh, yeah this is the most uh most athletic talk this podcast has ever seen <laughs> so thank you that it's been seven years and you're the first person to actually talk about exercise i do it and it's again it's because it's i love also, it i i absolutely I love, love like food and drink, so I have to earn it. I feel like I, I absolutely adore. You gotta work yeah, for it. I, I love uh, you know, cheeseburgers and beer and donuts. So, but yeah, oh, 
I, I think it's cool because it breaks the sci-fi mold of what you, people think sci-fi people mm-hmm. are. And it's like sci-fi fans are just people. Yeah. They're just dorky people that just like... I don't want to say dorky. They're just people who like fucking like stuff, but to a cooler amount. Mm-hmm. You guys good? Um, oh, awesome. awesome. This has been so great, man. Um, where can people find you yeah. and all, all, all the things? And we'll put everything in the show notes as well. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at the Padded Words. I'm definitely way more active at tw- on Twitter. I don't know. Just Instagram, I'm, I'm just bad at. It's just not the way my brain is wired. I'm, you know, I'm a writer, right? Words. Twitter is words. Instagram is pictures. Um... And I know there's ways you can do just those like color backgrounds and uh, I'm at, like I said, at the Pat Edwards. Um, I know Chris, you've got a link to the Red Opera Kickstarter. If you go to the Pat Edwards, it's in my pinned tweet. It's all, it's all, it's all I scream about. And then when I'm talking about cocktails and stuff that I'm making, cause I like to grow my own herbs now for cocktails and things like that. And I'm also, I'm also working on the side on a self public. I'm just going to self publish it. A, uh, a cocktail recipe book. Um, you should talk. Oh my god, our producer Bree is like super obsessed with gardening. So you just uh, we just talked to Isaac Cade from Cracked and end up them talking about gardening. And I was like, what is happening? Basic ass couples that like we're gonna plant a garden during quarantine. And but it's she is like a monster, and she's grown she, multiple people. Her tomato plants are eight feet tall. Jesus, I was like, I'm gonna invest more time into my podcast instead of doing anything outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. I've been going out, but um, oh, awesome, man! Thank you uh, so much for doing this. And yeah, thanks for having me. I had a blast.